Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. A kick. It is. Good. 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 To be the man, you gotta beat the man. The 2 1. Swung line drive left field. One run is in. This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. Well, glad you found us here on the Powers on Sports Podcast. We have hit a milestone for the podcast. This is episode number 100. So started this venture a couple of years ago. And so we finally have hit episode 100. So I want to thank everybody who's been a part of helping build the podcast and keep it going for a couple of years. All the guests, all the you know great uh, comments from you, the audience. And again, appreciate you finding us on the various podcast platforms that you all listen to from Apple to Google to Spreaker to Stitcher to Pandora and everything in between. So Really appreciate you finding us for our first 100th episode, and we hope to have hundreds more here as the Powers on Sports podcast moves along. Hope everybody had a nice Labor Day weekend and got to enjoy a little rest and relaxation as week two of the college football season wrapped up, and we have week one of the National Football League is upon us with the Buccaneers and the Cowboys kicking things off on Thursday night in Tampa on NBC. So very much looking forward to that part of the of, of the fall season that's upon us, where it's football Saturdays and Sundays and even and Thursdays and Fridays too. So before we get to our guest, who's going to be T.J. Reeves today of the, of the Buccaneer Radio Network, you've heard T.J. on the podcast several times before. TJ's the sideline reporter for the Buccaneer Radio Network. He also hosts the Three Dog Thursday podcast. He does play-by-play for college football for the Compass Media Networks. He'll be up in Ames, Iowa this weekend for the showdown of Iowa State and Iowa. So TJ's uh, very well-versed in the football world, so we're going to get TJ's thoughts on all things NFL, the Bucks cowboys matchup, some matchups for Sunday of Week 1, and such, so... Before we get to that, I want to hit on a couple of college football points as we wrap up week two of the college football season. Um, UCLA looks like Chip Kelly's got a team finally out in L.A. at UCLA. A nice W over LSU. LSU had to go out to Pasadena to play. Obviously, LSU was going through a lot of uh, turmoil this week with the hurricane in the New Orleans-Baton Rouge area. Um but UCLA, I'm impressed with what I'm seeing out of UCLA, UCLA so far. They're a physical team. They're a very good running team. This is a team that will be a problem in the in the Pac-12 due to that running game and their and their commitment to the run. Dorian Thompson-Robinson playing very well at quarterback, making timely throws. And again, I like what I see out of UCLA after two weeks. The defense looks to be much improved. Um so definitely uh, keep your eye out on UCLA out west as one of the teams to beat. Staying out west, you had Oregon. They struggled against Fresno State. They got it done. 
of concern is the, their All-American defensive end, Kayvon Thibodeau, left the game very early with an ankle injury. We don't know what his status is going to be for this showdown week, going to Columbus this week to see the Buckeyes. But I'd be, I'd be, uh, you know, I'd be a little leery of Oregon right now. I didn't like, you know, the struggle they had with Fresno State, even though Fresno's a good team. I thought they would come out and play a little better in Week One. So Thibodeau injured. Don't know what his status is going to be Saturday going into Columbus. So that'll be an interesting matchup with the Buckeyes, who had a had a very good second half at Minnesota. Again, Minnesota's a very uh, a good team as well. So that's a good win for for Ohio State on the road. The freshman quarterback, C.J. Stroud, played really well in the second half, threw the ball really, really well uh, there in the second half up in uh, Minneapolis to beat the, to beat the Gophers. Uh, the, sh- the showdown game of the weekend was Georgia-Clemson. Again, I don't think anybody thought it was going to be a 10-3 kind of game. V- massive defense on both sides. The Georgia defense was unbelievable. The front four had seven or eight sacks on, on uh, U- DJ Uigalelele who did not play very well, I didn't think, for Clemson. The Clemson offensive line really struggled. They couldn't run the ball a lick. Clemson's defense played really well. They Basically, the only touchdown of the game was, an out, was a defensive out route uh, by the Georgia defense. Uh, other than that, you had two field goals in the game. So, again, Georgia is definitely a team to be uh, aware of defensively. They need to play better on offense with JT Daniels and company. Uh, they should be getting some of their skill people back here in the next couple of weeks. But Georgia is a legit threat, and what a big win for Georgia in in Charlotte against Clemson. And pretty much Clemson has to run the table now uh, due to the fact losing that game. North Carolina got upset in Blacksburg. Uh, not a huge upset, but it is an upset. Obviously, I think the, the productivity of Sam Howell was was a, was concerning the lack of productivity. Everybody thought Sam Howell was going to be a Heisman Trophy candidate. He did not play very well. I think he threw three interceptions Friday night in Blacksburg. Huge win for Justin Fuentes in the Virginia Tech program. But can Virginia Tech follow it up? Can they put together a nine or ten win season? Can they be a factor in the ACC? That's what Fuentes has to do it at uh, Virginia Tech to keep his job. And again, for North Carolina, Mac Brown disappointing start again we'll be interested to see how they respond coming back from that and obviously the last thing we'll hit on uh or uh, oklahoma taken to the wire by tulane what a job by tulane again they were affected by the storm as well that game was supposed to be in new orleans the game had to be moved to norman so basically a home game for oklahoma uh, tulane made a big comeback late they had the ball down five with about two minutes to go after recovering an onside kick and came up a yard short on fourth down. So great job by Willie Fritz in the two-lane green wave, going to Norman and taking the Sooners to the wire. And the Sooners escape once again, Lincoln Riley, Spencer Rattler and company, and Alabama. Alabama showed why they are the elite program in the country. What a perform again, great performance by Bryce Young and company. Very methodical, very uh they're lethal. They got receivers, they got running backs, they got lines of scrimmage, offensive and defensive lines, and the defense looks to be revamped in Tuscaloosa for Nick Saban. So, again, it probably will be everybody playing for second in the SEC until you get to Georgia in the championship game, but very impressive performance by by, uh, Alabama versus Miami. So that's kind of your college football wrap-up for the week. Again, some good games coming up this week. Got Oregon, Ohio State. Uh, will probably be the, the, the lead game. 
uh, there. So enjoy the college football. Enjoy my interview with TJ Reeves as we break down the week one of the National Football League. We'll be right back. Thanks for tuning into the Powers on Sports podcast. We really appreciate it. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Before we get back to the episode, want to mention Titan Home Lending. If you have any home financing needs in the state of Florida, reach out to me, Jason Powers, Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404. I can help you with a home purchase, with a refinance, with a cash-out refinance, with a renovation loan, a VA loan, FHA loan, conventional loan, and virtually anything in between relative to home financing. So reach out to me at Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404. You can reach me on email at jpowers at titanhl.com. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. We are here for week one of the National Football League. Finally, the NFL is back. College football has been going on about two weekends now, and we are finally set for the National Football League. And we, with no, but nobody I'd rather talk to heading into week one than one TJ Reeves, my man, my sideline reporter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, going into his 17th year as a sideline reporter in his 22nd year as part of the Buccaneer Radio Network broadcast. TJ also hosts the world famous Three Dog Thirsty podcast. I don't know about that. On all the various uh, podcast platforms, he's part of the Tag Sports Sports Group, Spreaker.com, and he's also going to be doing play by play this fall. You're going to hear TJ all over the Compass Media Network. He's going to be up in Ames, Iowa, this coming weekend for the. Very underrated showdown between Iowa and Iowa State. So welcome back to the podcast, TJ. Listen, what an intro. Thank you. We made it. We got the college football season underway. And here we go with the NFL. And that means because, again, for those who don't uh, realize and appreciate this, Jason is a lifer in this area. I am, I am somebody that I, I guess I consider myself a native at this point, even though I was born in Memphis, Tennessee, but I have been in the Tampa Bay area since 1983 when the Bucks got bad, right when I got here. So I have been in and around this team for 38 years. I've been in and around this area, Jason. I'm an old man for 38 years. It has been a rarity when we can say B-U-C-C-A-N-E-E-R-S, defending Super Bowl champion, go Bucks. But we can, so it's good to be with you as the defending champs are about to defend starting on Thursday night with, hello, the Dallas Cowboys. So there is so much going on, but it's here. We're ready. That's Let's right. Go. We, we got uh, Ed Sheeran in town for the, for the NFL celebration, big party don't ask on me. Thursday. Don't ask me for tickets for Ed Sheeran. I don't have tickets for the game. I don't have to, I'd be lucky to get myself into the game. I don't know that I'd get anywhere near Ed Sheeran. He's at like what Curtis Hicks and park playing yeah. the big concert on Thursday yeah. night. This is a big deal. The it's N- a big I mean, deal I, when you win a Super Bowl, bro. I mean, one thing you can say, the NFL knows how to throw a party when it comes to these opening nights. They do a, they do a, they do a pretty good job of uh, bringing in a star entertainer. They take over the city that that's hosting. Obviously the Super Bowl champions typically host that first Thursday night game. Um, I remember back in 03, the Bucks didn't didn't host a home game that first week, if I recall, and Gruden was not very happy about all that. But uh, we are the center of the football world Thursday night as the Cowboys come a calling 
Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, and the fellas and the crew, Ed Sheeran, and one TJ Reeves will be back on the field. Again, big difference from last year. Right. We'll be on the field. And uh, I'm going to make you show me because I've not seen this yet. You need to show me. Those of you that are going to see this on, on, the, on the YouTube channel, TJ is going to unveil the Super Bowl ring for the audience. When am I, here when am I doing that? Am I doing that now? So whatever, whenever you right. want. So for those, so for those that aren't seeing us, I am doing the interview in the world champion Buccaneer hat. It's kind yes. of theater of the mind, but now you got to come find the video. Cause my man power said this, he said, I want you to pull the Super Bowl ring out. So now I'm going to do this for the audience and I'm going to get the actual jewelry box that they wow. gave us that has my minted. name Yes. freshly minted i'm holding that up for the camera you'll see that on youtube and now i'm doing this and jason hasn't seen this yeah, so the not. audience is seeing this and jason is seeing this for the first time here is the super bowl ring boom in a lighted jewelry case and those that you is can't rotating see the, around for those it's who a can't rotating see it. jewelry case of the ring it's amazing spinning. i mean uh, honestly i don't know why i still have this in my house and not in a safety deposit box or a bank vault or something but i am now going to take the ring off the jewelry case it, real quick real case. quick hold the jewelry box up does it say on the inside jason of beverly jason hills of beverly hills who designed the ring see i'm, which, I'm all over the place jason's you, even designing super Bowl. you ring. are yes you are <laughs> and now i am going to put the world championship ring on and hold it up for the That's youtube awesome. audience there is the ring there you have it, it. on my finger and I will even show you on the side of the ring, there is my name, yep. Jason Powers, on yep. the ring with the diamonds. It's got the Bucks Super Bowl ring. Again, Same one Tom I, Brady's wearing. I have, I, I have no idea why I don't have this in a safety deposit box <laughs> or a bank vault right now, but I do have it. So I pulled it out special for the Powers on Sports podcast. Yes. So we plug away again. Find the video tees. Find the YouTube channel. You will see TJ's Buccaneers Super Bowl ring. It's pretty crazy. I I got to tell you, I have 13-year-old twin girls, as you know, and I think they were more excited to grab the ring and to put the ring on. And we'll just I'll, – I'll, I'll be proud dad for a moment and do one more thing for the video here for the YouTube audience uh, and show them here were the twins one by one putting the ring on. Nice. There's uh, Abby – and there is Riley. I think they were they were possibly Jason more excited than I was. So it's a neat thing. But as Bruce Arians would say, that is last year. The scoreboard reads zero zero. The win loss wins zero zero. Last year doesn't mean anything now for this year. To you don't start off nine and zero. You don't start off right now in first place in the South by five games or something. So it all starts anew coming Thursday. And I know you know that. Yeah, I do. Absolutely. There's no doubt. We're going to get to the Bucks Cowboys breakdown here a little bit. All right. Give me it. If, if there's anything that you can tell me, anything special that maybe the people on TV won't see as part of the Super Bowl unveiling, are they, do, are they going to do anything special at the stadium that you know about for the fans? Not, not that I, they have not made me privy other than raising the banner. And you have to wonder how they're going to do that and with who, uh, the, the banner typically will go at the top of the stadium up by the American flag, right? This is world. According to TJ speculation, they may do something on the pirate ship Thursday night with the super bowl banner. Uh, that that's me again, just speculating. I haven't been told 
who's going to be there. I mean, oftentimes you've got Buccaneer royalty like Derek Brooks and Warren Sapp at these games, the link to the previous Super Bowl winning season. Mike Allstott is still in the area, right. et cetera, et cetera. I don't know what they're going to do. I'm, I'm just like everybody else is listening to us. I'm ready to find out together what they do and unveil the banner. And it's going to be some night. Because like you mentioned in 03, the NFL didn't have this policy where the Super Bowl champion got to open the next year, even at home necessarily. Right. And the Bucs opened at Philadelphia on Monday night in the rematch of the NFC Championship game. Right. And by the way, won that game too for all time here on the Powers on Sports podcast. Closed down the vet. Final sporting event ever at Veterans Stadium was a Buccaneer win in the 2002 season, the January 03 NFC Championship game. The Rondé Barber first, interception. Yes. Name is Rondé Barber pick. He closed it down. You're absolutely right. 2-0. And then the first ever regular season game in the new stadium, the link in Philadelphia, the link, the, link, the Buccaneers win in a shutout on Monday night football. Wow. So no matter what Eagle fan wants <laughs> to say or squawk about, we have the deed to your figurative house in Champa Bay to the vet and to that new stadium. How about them apples? That's it. You got that right. You got that right. All right. So, yeah, before we get to some, I wanted to get some storylines. One bit of tr tragic Buccaneer news. Keith McCants mm. just, was just found, passed away over the, in the last couple of days. Sounds like it was something drug-related, overdose, and that's terrible. McCants was a first-round draft pick from Alabama. You and I both know, you know, of him and his, you know, he, he didn't have, he struggled sure. as a Buccaneer, but, you know, obviously, you know, you don't ever want to see anybody pass away like that. He'd had some drug issues over the years, but your thoughts, Keith McCants? Uh, just awful. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, uh, you hate to say this, but this was something that a lot of people feared for a long time was going to be the end for him. And his family, his children, his grown children were trying to help. Yes. There were numerous people in the Buccaneer alumni that were trying to help. Just a troubled individual with drugs and drug abuse. I have been around Keith on, on a couple of occasions, have interviewed him uh, some. He was trying to get his life back uh, in order, uh, has had drug problems. Jason, honestly, going back to the 1990s when he washed out as an NFL player. Again, he was right. a, a top five pick. The Buccaneers uh, were looking at him as one of the defensive saviors, maybe, of the teams in the 90s with Ray Perkins, with Sam Weich, with that whole – with Remember that Eric Curry, Curry and Copeland. Curry we and all Cole thought that was going to be the difference maker for us. teams, and, and, uh, and Keith never really materialized as an NFL player. He was hurt yep. some um, and, and washed out in the NFL in about three seasons, right. three or four seasons. And so, um, again, just tragic, sad, yeah, terrible. awful. Um I, I know the family was concerned also about CTE and brain right. stuff. And we may learn in the coming days and the coming weeks that that boogeyman is back too. Right. With, uh, with Keith McCants uh, as well on top of everything else. So yes, it is a somber thing. Anytime any, any prominent member, any member really of the Buccaneer family passes away, but there is somebody that was prominent in the early nineties when there was a lot of bad football. Right. And was trying to make a go of it. And, um, you know, I wrote, he wrote a book on trying to overcome addiction. Right. He, he had a lot of people, he's doing a lot of speaking to a lot of young people about trying to overcome addiction and it's tragic. 
And uh, it's horrible if yeah. that is what happened. It's just, it's very sad that there were so many people trying to help him. And in the right. end, it didn't matter. And he was, a, I mean, he's 53 years old too. That's the yes. other problem. He's such a young guy. I mean, in the scheme of life, I mean, young man, relative. And like I said, you, I know you were around him a bunch and, you know, he lived in the St. Pete area. So he still lived around here. And he, you know, like you said, lots of people reached out to try to help him and just ho hopefully, you know, I mean, again, I know it's a terrible, ter tough situation. So, uh, but yes. just want to honor Keith McCants as he passed away at 53. All right. Well, and, yeah, go ahead. And, uh, and clearly the team will do, will do something obviously prior to the opening game. And yeah. uh, this is part of life and it's a real reality check. And it's, and Keith would be the first one to always say uh, that, that he had everybody grabbing at his money and ended up broke almost right. faster than you could spell McCants. And he was trying to impress upon the younger future players of take care of your money, get your education. Right. He was doing a lot of good things in that regard. So if, if something can come out of the awfulness of him no longer being with us is use it as the example of what can happen because Keith McCants had millions and millions and millions of dollars. And, and Jason, you know, this, it was gone. Quick probably Nick. within three or four years of him starting in the NFL, he had no money left, right. any of it. Right. So that's the cautionary tale for the young players to hopefully see and understand what can happen and impress that upon them. And even so the young college kids now that have the ability to make this money now with the new NIL deals, you know, just cause it's coming, don't mean it's going to keep coming. And, you know, if you're fortunate enough to be a kind of player in college that makes a six or seven figure deal, the goal is not to spend it as fast as you can. The goal is to have it. So if it doesn't work out in the football world, you have something to fall back on. Amen. Amen. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a finances in the in professional sports is a very undervalued by a lot of people, and that's a, a, that's a terrible thing. All right, let's get to the field. Some storylines before we get to the Bucks game. Just some general NFL storylines. Is this Aaron Rodgers last year in Green Bay? Point blank question. Point blank answer. Yes, I think it's you know whether you're referring to the Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Phil Jackson, Lance, the last dance metaphor. And we all had fun watching that whole documentary on that 1998 season of the last dance. Is it that however you want to look at it from the, from the Rogers point of view, this is a temporary, I'm going to play here one more year. And then I, I believe again, nobody, nobody knows this for sure. I'm not an insider. I'm not an information guy like Adam Schefter or Jay Glazer or whomever. But I believe they reached some kind of quiet agreement that he's going to play one more year and then this is going to be it and he's going to be allowed if he wants to to play somewhere else, whether they release him, whether they trade him or whatever. The trade-off is he's playing right now as opposed to not retiring, not sitting out, not turning it into an ugly off-field circus. So, yes, I, I believe that's it for Rodgers and Green Bay this season. Yep, yep. And they, they'll have a good team, so they should be competitive and they should be right there in the mix in the NFC along with the Buccaneers and – uh, you know, some other teams, but I mean, you have a better chance of being the Packers quarterback in 2022 <laughs> than Aaron Rodgers. I'll go that far on the powers on sports podcast. Hey, back in the day, I was a hell of a flag football quarterback. I'm I can throw a little bit. I'm just I saying could... you got a better chance than him. I got you. I got, all right. Speaking of quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks, you had five drafted this year, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, Fields, Trey Lance, Looks like Fields and Lance are not going to be the starters to start with, whereas Wilson, Jones, and Lawrence will. 
your thoughts, just general rookie quarterback thoughts. Who do you like out of that those five, and who do you think long-term might be the best guy of the group? That's the interesting question. So out of that group, you know one or two of them are going to flop because every year we have five or six or seven of them that we're counting on. And remember, it was Josh Rosen a few years ago. Uh, just to pick on him and single him out, he was in the group with Baker Mayfield. Yeah. And Sam Darnold and Lamar Jackson went later on in the round. But, I mean, you can go back to grouping after grouping. Blake Blake Bortles was one of those in the group back six, seven years ago. He flopped uh, when there were several other quarterbacks. Mariota, Jameis Winston. That's correct. And so, in this year's case, I really believe the two guys that are most likely to succeed long-term are Lance with the 49ers because of the team and the run game. Right. And I, I believe Justin Fields in Chicago. Now he, he's not big and either, you know, Lance is a little bigger than Justin Fields. I just, I'm not a believer in Zach Wilson at, at the jets. I think the New York market eats him up. I think they're bad. They're, they're devoid of talent too. And they've got a right. first year coach. So I'm not buying into that one. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, they are, they, the joke continues to be in North Florida and everywhere else. They are three or four players away from being three or four players away. <laughs> I mean, speaking of devoid of talent, he doesn't have anything to work with and right. he's going to get demoralized because he's going to lose more football games, Jason, before Halloween than he lost in his high school career and his Clemson career combined. Right. So I don't think it's Trevor Lawrence. And, um, and then, uh, Mac Jones, Mac Jones, is Jones. An interesting experiment. Cause he's week one with Belichick and yep. we will see the Patriots in week four. Yep. I think it's a legitimate valid question. Are they going to be able to keep Mac Jones upright and healthy all year? Is he going to be upright and healthy for week four? Yep. Is he going to be shell shocked by the NFL by the first two or three games here before we even get to week four? That's a very intriguing question. So I'll go. I'll go probably Trey Lance one out of the overall success. Yep. Fields probably two. And then you're fortunate if out of the other group of three, Trevor Lawrence included. If Lawrence wow. is Jacksonville situation, Zach Wilson Jets, Mac Jones Patriots, if any of them pan out, I, I will say it's 50-50 at best that if any of them pan out in their own I mean, obviously, that was the news of the week as going into going into week one is the Patriots outright cutting Cam Newton. And, and leads into my next question, COVID. Nobody's ever going to admit it on the record except Urban Meyer. But <laughs> how many decisions was a Cam Newton type decision? Was that related to guys that, that aren't vaccinated, don't want to get vaccinated? Thought process of, okay, he's not vaccinated, but I'm, gonna, I'm nervous about him. Something happening to the whole quarterback room because the NFL is not going to reschedule games like they did last year. You're right. going to forfeit if you don't have a quarterback. You got to figure it out. So, COVID is going to be a big thing throughout theme throughout this year. You know, you had Carson Wentz had an issue here a week or so back. You've had obviously Cam Newton's had some issues. You've had issues with guys that have been vaccinated have issues. Tyron Matthew just tested for Kansas City. So, how do you think the whole COVID situation is going to play out throughout the league? Keep- I mean, we saw with the Titans, and they were right here practicing right. with the Bucks, and they were fortunate that they did not have to play a regular season game in and around this time where Ryan Tannehill went on the shelf and two or three other starters, not the biggest names like Derrick Henry or now Julio Jones, but they had other starters that had to go on the shelf too, a couple of them. Uh, it's going to be a mess. And back to the Cam Newton thing, I am of the belief, what do we know? We're never going to get straight answers out of New England. It was everything including that. Right. I believe as big a factor is what kind of teammate was he going to be if he's not the guy? If he started all last year, he's healthy now, he wants to be the guy, and he's not the guy, is he going to be a bad teammate? Right. And 
Belichick and New England are never tolerating bad teammates. They cut Randy Moss during the season when right. he became a cancer, a problem teammate. They said goodbye to him. Uh, I think they looked at the same thing with Antonio Brown as a headache, a distraction, bad teammate, selfish, whatever. Not putting up with it. So I, I am more in the camp, Jason, that it was more about we've decided Mac Jones is the future. We've decided in watching these preseason games that he's competent enough to start the season. And we know Cam Newton is not the future. And we know that it's a really good chance he's going to be a problem if he's not the starter. Just go ahead and rip the Band-Aid off here and get rid of him. And and they're playing – and real quick, their playing styles are completely different. Mac Jones is a pocket right. guy. Cam's more of a, you know, mobile runner. That's, you know, I think from an offensive scheme-wise, I think the Patriots all want to be going the same direction with a scheme, whether it was the Cam Newton scheme or the Mac Jones scheme, which obviously they drafted Mac yes. Jones. They, wanna, they, they don't want to have to teach their guys new schemes every week on offense. I believe that uh, they also looked at him, and they know this better than anybody. He's damaged goods. He was damaged right. goods in the 2019 season with the foot injury right. that he never recovered from and didn't play after week two after the Buccaneers beat him on that Thursday night. Shoulder, uh, uh, shoulder problems. I, I don't, he can't, he can't throw the ball deep downfield anymore with any zip on it and make those kind of throws. Everything for new England last year was an intermediate throw. He could throw it on a line 10 or 15 or 20 yards that's uh, it. over the middle, but that's it. And so they had to predicate the offense around that. I think he was a stop gap a year ago for what right. are we going to do next for 2021? And now they've decided to do it. And he didn't help himself with any of the non-vaccinated and he broke the COVID protocol. And right. uh, I don't know. And, and we're going to circle back to the Cowboys here in a second. It would not surprise me after this week, if Jerry Jones takes the flyer right. and brings him in, especially if Dak Prescott still has problems, ankle problems, shoulder, yeah, they, they might bring him in because they are running a similar read option stuff with Ezekiel Elliott. Right. And then Cam Newton is not being given guaranteed money after week one. He's basically a week-to-week week week. Week player. Yes. So that could be very interesting to keep an eye on down the road, Jason. That's an interesting thing you'll, you'll see, folks, that, that you don't know. After week one start, if, you, if you're if you on an NFL roster week one, your, your contract's guaranteed for the year. Whereas if you get picked up after week one, you like TJ said, you become a week-to-week player. You can A Cam Newton can be signed in week three and cut in week four, and he only makes one week worth of minimum or whatever his salary was. So it's not like you're on the hook for $5 million for Cam Newton for one week if he doesn't pan out. So you'll see a lot of veteran guys get signed after week one because it turns into a week-to-week situation salary-wise. Very true on that. Part of the salary cap, part of the games that uh, the teams will play with uh, with different players and try to risk sneaking them through waivers and then bringing them back after week one. Those are always – Interesting debates and decisions. I'm just saying it here on Powers on Sports. Don't be surprised if Jerry Jones is running right. Cam Newton's phone to have him right. come play for the veteran minimum uh, and be a week-to-week guy if they need him. Because this this Dak Prescott question is still a question. Until yes. we see it on the field Thursday, it's still a question in Dallas for the whole year. And even after Thursday, how, how sore is he? How did he look? It's still a question. Let's get to it. Bucks cowboys Thursday night. Obviously, the Bucks bring the whole band back this year in 2021. That was kind of a strategy they 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 wanted to imp- implore is bring everybody back and make another run at it. Um, you know, the, the news did come out of the Buccaneers facility this week that they're 100 percent vaccinated staff, coaching staff, players. So that's a good new, That's a good, very good sign. 
for the long-term health of the, of the roster. Um, your thoughts about them bringing everybody. I mean, I, that I don't, there, there was one, there was basically one starting job up for grabs. That was a guard spot between Alex Kappa, who's a returning guy and another returner. But other than that, there was no starting jobs up for grabs. Your thought about them bringing the whole band back. It's incredible. It's incredible. It's never happened in the free agency era of the NFL where you brought back all 22 starters, offense and defense. And you're right that uh, Aaron Stinney did a great job as the backup guard coming in to play in the playoff games in the Super Bowl for Alex Kappa. But as it stands right now, Kappa will assume that position on Thursday night, his starting role again. But uh, this, this team is loaded now. That being said, as I said to you earlier when I had the ring out, there is nothing that carries over from 2020 in right. terms of wins and losses, starting with Thursday night. You don't, it's not like the tour championship where you and I are big golf guys. And for those that are not, they play the tour championship now and they've done an interesting thing where if you're in first place headed to the final PGA tour event, you start the tournament at 10 under and the second place guy starts the tournament at nine under. So you're way in front of the field. That is not the NFL kids, right? So the Buccaneers started zero and zero, even with all these players back, but how can you not be excited about the continuity? You lost no one off the coaching staff, right? Uh, at the highest levels in terms of the coordinators, et cetera. And maybe all of the assistants are back, but certainly all the coordinators are back. It's incredible continuity. Bruce Arians calling it go for two. Doesn't want to say run it back or repeat or any of that. You got to be excited if you're a Buccaneer fan to have all of those guys back. And the good news is you have some depth and you're going to probably yes. have that depth tested. And it may be even soon at receiver at defensive line linebacker, maybe um, secondary running back. You're going to have to have that depth, just not just the starters, but the guys behind them may play key roles even early on in the year. And you got the ultimate. And the one thing that you always worry about with a team trying to repeat is the motivation level and all that good stuff. You have the ultimate competitor in Tom Brady that's not going to allow these guys to 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 just fall off the cliff. They they're going to lose some games, probably they're going to lose some games. But as far as the effort level and those kind of things, that's where Tom Brady, the Levante Davids of the world, come into play. That are not going to let this team turn into a bunch of just turn into an eight into an eight and eight team. They're not going to be an eight and eight team. That's right. And I always love that uh, on the hangover, you know, the, the carryover from all the Super Bowl and all of that. If you go back to Michael Jordan again, as we referenced the last dance, Michael never had any problems with Scotty or Horace Grant. And yeah, they had to sit on Dennis Rodman or any of those guys, any of the shooters, Steve right. Kerr, Craig Hodges were going in the way back. John Paxson, BJ Armstrong. They never had any problem being refocused and being ready the next year and taking care of business because Michael in particular was the was hardest worker. alpha male. He was the hardest worker and he demanded excellence. And you got the same thing with Tom Brady for whatever this is worth. Again, he's 44 years old. Jason, I have no idea what's going to happen. You have no idea what's going to happen as this season goes on. Does his elbow hold up? Does his shoulder hold up? We don't know. We believe it will, but we do know this. He is not going to let those guys uh, take take days off in the meeting room, the weight room, the right. practice field. He is going to be in their grill. For, forget about Bruce Arians right. yelling at him, cursing at him or whatever. This, you don't have to worry about it, just like Michael Jordan. That you're not going to have to worry about there being a lack of attention to detail or overconfidence. If the Buccaneers don't win, it's because the other team outplayed them, beat them, or they didn't play well enough when it came time to it. It's not going to be because of overconfidence, laziness, or not taking it seriously here, trying to trying to get a second title, a repeat, a go for two. And the one thing there, and the one thing again, Brady's also great at 
if they do lose a game, it doesn't turn into a two-game losing streak or a three-game. Right. If you lose a game, okay, they're going to lose games because you get beat or whatever. But it's the two and three and four-game losing streaks that kill you in, in, in any season, not just a repeat-type season. But those are the things that Brady brings to the table that so many other leaders around the league don't. So, let's all right, let's break down the game. Dallas with a new defense. Dan Quinn, who, who the Buccaneers know very well from his Atlanta days, new defensive coordinator. Obviously, you have Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore leading the offense. Dak Prescott, you know, is he at 80% Dak Prescott? Is he 75%? Is he 95%? We don't know. Hasn't played it down to the preseason. I like that the Buccaneers played their guys in the last preseason game. They looked very good on offense, those two drives in a row that they played, first and second quarter at Houston. I don't know how the Dallas is going to stop the Buccaneer offense. I think the Buccaneers, you can pencil in the Buccaneers for at least 31 points. The question is, can Dallas score 31 against the vaunted Buccaneer defense? Right. To me, that's going to be the – and can Dallas run the ball enough to try to keep the Buccaneer offense off the field? And a couple of points to that. You mentioned the Bucs played their guys in the final preseason game. Dallas did not in their yep. final preseason game with Jacksonville. Basically, none of their starters played on either side of the ball. And I don't know how smart that was for Mike McCarthy. I mean, granted – you don't have Dak Prescott. They weren't going to have Dak Prescott in that final game, but Ezekiel Elliott didn't dress. Amari Cooper didn't dress. You want that defense to get some more reps uh, out there. And those, those guys were not out there. So now you have an extra week built in that was this past week and this past weekend where they really haven't had live contact in their practice, much less with another opponent. So I think that's advantage Buccaneers as well. In addition to the home field advantage and all the continuity that we just talked about, too many question marks for Dallas, and you're right. The only the only way that the Cowboys stay in this game is if it's the benevolent Buccaneers, Jason yes. Powers. If they <laughs> give away the ball with turnovers, yep. if they give away a big play or two, either on the ground game or a, or a big pass from Dak Prescott because of a blown coverage, I'm not saying – look, Dallas has got paid professionals. Sure. They've got talented players. So, obviously, they can score and they can make plays. But in this kind of situation, with all the hype, the Super Bowl banner going up, this team refocused to try to win another championship with all the starters back, the only way that Dallas is staying in the game is if the Bucs are benevolent and let them stay in the game. I don't know what you have to, to say about that, but that's that's I believe that's the crux of the game. I agree. If the Bucs do things to help the Cowboys. If not, the Buccaneers are going to win this game and probably win it decisively. No, I agree. I mean, remember Dallas, I think Dallas invested their first five draft picks on defense. So, the, so they're, those guys are going to play to some level, I mean, especially on the back end. You're going to have a young secondary, again, playing in a primetime situation, first game of the year on the road. I think it's a brutal spot. The Bucs, I think, are about seven, seven and a half point favorites going into Thursday night. I just think this is a this is a very tough uh, ask of the Cowboys to, Yes. Again, if Zeke Elliott runs for 180 yards, then you never know. But if he, hey, if he runs for 180 yards, that's one of the biggest upsets at the start of the NFL football season right. because the Buccaneer run defense has been fantastic. Right. Not just good, but fantastic. And if the Cowboys are able to tear that up and right. he's able to run like that, that is shocker of shocks. Correct. He may break off a big run. He right. may have a couple of significant runs, not a 70 yard run. 30 or 40. Yeah. Him, I don't, I don't see him having a big night in this one. And I just laugh because I've loved the Jerry Jones impersonations uh, for the longest time. And, and I love it when, when the Cowboys start losing, Jerry gets quieter on those interviews <laughs> and put it on the radio. And he, 
I can see him going out. Oh, we just we got to get better on defense. We have not been good enough. What's, we have just got to we got to stop some people at some point. We have got to stop some people. What, when you're drafting five straight guys on defense yeah. in the modern NFL, we've got to stop some people, Jason. What's the over under on how many shots we'll see of Jerry up in the uh, the, the luxury uh, suite Thursday I am night? Instilling that, I'm installing that over at, under at three and a half. Okay, going to go under. He's going to get shown at least four times. Does this are I'm you going saying over. in the over. entire broadcast from the time NBC comes on the air? Yes. Or are you saying once the game begins? I'll say uh once the broadcast broadcast. I'll say air, broadcast. Under over three and a half. I'm going under. They'll show him four times at least. So that's over. That's over three and a half. Over three and a half for yes. me. Yes, I'm with, over. Over on I'm with the over. I'm with the over under. I'm with the over. High, high, high with Jerry Jones in week one. All right. All right. So you're listening to the Power Zone Sports Podcast. We're with TJ Reeves, host of the Three Doll Thirsty Podcast, Tampa Bay Buccaneer Radio Network, going into his 17th year as a sideline reporter. He's even going to be broadcasting. We're going to talk about, I want to get your quick thought here. Next, on Saturday, you'll be in Ames, Iowa for Iowa, Iowa State, which is a sneaky, very good game. Just give me your quick thoughts of Ames, Iowa, and that, that rivalry. It's a great right. rivalry. So I have been to Iowa. I don't know about Mr. Powers. I have been to Iowa one time in my life as a young uh, middle school age, junior high school age student. We drove to Iowa and we were in Ottumwa, Iowa, which is north of Des Moines for a week as part of a church mission trip. So I've been to Iowa and it's been a long time ago. I have never done a game out of Iowa, much less out of Ames, but I know they are amped up. For the Cyhawk game, the Cyclone Hawkeye game, the Cyhawk trophy in Ames, Iowa State preseason top 10, Brock Purdy back at quarterback yep. off a nine win team a year ago that also won their bowl game a year ago over Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl. And they didn't play this game last year, Jason, because of the COVID craziness and the Big Ten delaying things and then the yep. Big Ten deciding we're not playing out of conference. It's the first time in 60-something years they did not play the Cyhawk game. Yep. So I am very excited. Compass Media Networks will have it all over the country. Uh, there'll be radio stations everywhere. It'll be online as well. I'll be putting it out on my social media. I know you'll share it the same way. Yep. I'm looking forward to being there with Steve Berline. Speaking of Cowboys, the former Cowboy, the former yep. Carolina Panther, the former Notre Dame quarterback. quarterback. Yeah. I'm looking forward to working with him. And Kirk Ferentz in Iowa, they're always – it's interesting. He always finds a way to win two or three games every year that keep him around. Is that potentially, right off the bat, a road win at Ames against a preseason top 10 team that makes everybody at Iowa go, hey – we could do worse with Kirk Ferentz. We could do worse without Kirk Ferentz here. Yep. Uh, let, let's see what the Hawkeyes have in, in this game. So I'm just, I, I'm thrilled, privileged to be doing those games nationally on national radio. And I'm excited to see what happens with Iowa State and Iowa. My first taste of the Cyhawk game and calling a game in Iowa, Jason. I'll have to report back to you on that. Absolutely. And, and, and for your perspective, just the being in the in the in the stadium as opposed to watching it on a screen calling the game from 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 a studio somewhere sure what's that feeling like for you just to be back in the environment of the press box and being there and it's going to be You're an right. amped up crowd you can do so much more when you can see it all and and soak everything in now i got the privilege a year ago of working for compass media 
and doing games either at Alabama or at Miami. We did games at Louisville. I ended up doing the Big Ten championship game. Privileged to do that, that Ohio State won yet again over Northwestern. And at most of those games, we were all we were at the stadium in all of them. And at most of those games, there were some fans. At Alabama, they had 20,000 people. It's not 100,000 people going crazy, but they at least were making some noise. That Louisville-Miami game early on in the year, Louisville had about 15,000 people there making noise. Again, it's not a full stadium. It's not 80, 90, 100,000 people like we're seeing these first two weekends of the college football season. But it will be that will be some scene in Ames well, to have Iowa State playing Iowa. I'm looking expectations because everybody thinks Iowa State's a legitimate threat to potentially knock off Oklahoma and get to the college football playoff this year with well, Matt Campbell. The- and, that, and that's what we go back to with Buccaneers with the target on their back. Alabama and Clemson have had the target on their back every year. Now when you are the hunted, Oklahoma is the hunted here by Iowa State. And Iowa State lost to them both times last year, late in the year and in the Big 12 title game. Uh, so maybe there's a revenge for them a- as well. So it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Matt Campbell, as a colleague of mine said, Earlier uh, in the week, Matt Campbell turning down over $60 million reportedly to leave Iowa State and go to the Detroit Lions. What does that tell you about what kind of team he thinks he has coming back and what he has a chance to build on if he didn't go take 60 mil? If if that was, in fact, what the offer was to go be an NFL coach, the fact that he rebuffed that to stay at Iowa State, what does that tell you about what he thinks he has this year? No 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 doubt about it. And we saw, obviously, we've already seen – North Carolina with a lot of expectations get beat yep. at Virginia Tech. Sam Howell didn't play very well, but they thought he was gonna he's gonna be a Heisman candidate. Mac Brown, they all thought he had a great team. Yep. You know, it's it's and it, it'll be interesting to see how these college kids coming off of a COVID year how they how they respond because it's it, every every city and every region of the country is a little different about how the COVID has struck that part of the country and how those guys have had to react and, and work around those those COVID challenges. And and you mentioned Trevor Lawrence earlier. So Clemson gets their season underway for the first time in uh, four years without Trevor Lawrence. I know he was uh, COVID positive last year at the end of the year and missed the Notre Dame loss at Notre Dame and then came back. But they're trying to figure out life after Lawrence at Clemson. Alabama has had, oh, by the way, Jalen Hurts, Tua, Mm -hmm. and Mac Jones for the last four or five years of their national championship caliber teams. And now Bryce Young takes over as a virtual unknown, a starting commodity at yeah. Alabama. And that may be a work in progress as the year goes on. Uh, so, yeah, there, I mean, some of the things that we could count on, you're going to have to have adjustments. And maybe that's where an Iowa State kind of slips into the mix here because Purdy is back. Campbell's an offensive mind. Yep. Can they come out of that Big 12? We'll see. And you'll see TJ at all. I know you're supposed to – you think you're going to Alabama at some point this year. So you'll Ole see TJ Alabama, October 2nd, all things being equal. God help us. We hope yep. next week, the week after yep. that we're all doing great. And that game is still on huge SEC game. Uh, that one in Tuscaloosa. I'm looking forward to doing that one on compass media. That'll be the next one I do after Iowa, Iowa state is Ole Miss, Alabama. So I'm, I'm blessed and I'm privileged to get to go do these games, but yeah, it's, it's going to be some atmosphere to be at Bryant Denny. I have been at Bryant Denny before, and you've, you've got connection, obviously, to Alabama. I've been to Bryant Denny before when they've had the 80 or 85,000 and right. Legion Field when they've had 70, right. 80, whatever that old lady held. Uh, but this is going to be different different to have 100,000 there yeah. at, at, at Bryant Denny and have it electric uh, for a game like that with Ole Miss. So we'll see. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to be around all of this. Um, 
Especially don't with, take it for granted. Don't especially with old Lane granted. Kiffin. Especially with old Lane Kiffin coming back to Tuscaloosa. <laughs> Storylines. We love. I mean, how about my weekend that weekend, Mr. Powers? I am in Tuscaloosa for Lane Kiffin returning against the defending national champs, Alabama. Yep. And the next night I am allegedly God willing in Foxborough, Massachusetts for yes. the one time ever that Tom yes. Brady's going to play the Patriots as the visiting quarterback, because he is by all accounts going to play for the bucks for as long as he can. And that's it. And the bucks aren't back there for another seven seasons. So this is the one time that's the weekend, weekend that I get. That's some kind of weekend coming up the first weekend in October. I'm looking Ho forward. Hopefully you won't have any Southwest delay flights coming out of from Birmingham to Boston, <laughs> the Birmingham to Boston route. <laughs> yeah, it's a little tough to get in the car and drive too from Birmingham to Boston. Yeah, right? It's easier to drive Birmingham, Atlanta, Birmingham, right. Tampa. Right. Might be a little harder to get to Foxborough. Yes. Yes. All right. Let's hit you a couple more. I want to get your opinion on three or four NFL games. We'll get you out of here as we week one games, some games that I think has that right. have some implications. Jets at Carolina, your man, Sam Darnold of all, you don't think the NFL didn't do that on purpose. Absolutely. They did the Jets, Carolina, Sam Darnold faces his old teammates in, uh, in Carolina year two of Matt rule NFC South team. They think Carolina is going to be a little better. Obviously Robert Sala and the Jets, you're just the whole Sam Darnold thing. Uh, again, revenge for him. And we've seen this work well. Remember going all the way back to Drew Bledsoe when Belichick got rid of him, Jason Powers, and went with Tom Brady. Remember, he went to Buffalo and Buffalo, I believe, shut the Patriots out. One of Belichick's worst losses yes. in his entire career in a revenge type situation. So yes, you're right. There is, there is no mistaking that is planned by the NFL. They were looking at that especially when the Darnold trade was made to Charlotte, to Carolina. Yep. And now he gets a chance to go at his old team. And again, if you're a Buccaneer fan observer, you want the Jets to win that game. But right. first year coach, first quarterback, that's probably advantage Carolina for that game. I agree with that. I agree with that. All right. Kansas City, Cleveland. You got a rematch of the AFC title game. You know, a lot of people think Cleveland is, is the team, the up and coming right. team, the threat. You know, they played them pretty well last year in Kansas City. Um, Mayfield, a great running game, and I, but obviously you have Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid and company. Um, a little bit, they've lost a couple things, Kansas City, but they've reloaded that offensive line in Kansas City. Can they run the ball better? Just your thoughts, Kansas City, Cleveland. That's And that's the real question. Is that rebuilt offensive line going to hold up? We know Mahomes is electric with that arm and with the weapons. Their defense was a little questionable, too, at times, and the Buccaneers exposed that in the Super Bowl. And, yep. heck, even, even in the playoffs last year against Cleveland and against Buffalo, they had some issues uh, on defense for Kansas City. That's going to be a great game. I yep. mean, there are so many games uh, for this there weekend is. in the NFL with storylines and subplots. I know you're moving down the list, but that's going to be – I like Cleveland as a dark horse I know, AFC right? champion. So – uh, it's it's no coincidence, again, that the NFL is bringing that around right off the bat to start the year. You and your boy Mel Kuyper. I saw Mel Kuyper on TV the other day saying, Cleveland's going to the Super Bowl, baby, for the first time ever. I don't know that far. All right, two that. more games get you out of here. The Alabama quarterback bowl. My, Tua Tungavailoa comes to Foxborough. Mac Jones, interesting game. Match Divisional matchup, coaching relationships with Flores and Belichick. Very interesting game, Miami, New England. Agreed. 
And keep in mind, they played this game week one a year ago with no fans, with Cam Newton as the quarterback, opening with Miami at home. It's just, it's interesting. The NFL does that as a repeat. It's not Buffalo. It's not uh, the Jets playing in the opening game against New England. And New England gets to start at home two years in a row, despite having a losing year last year, by the way, too. Uh, You got to favor New England. Belichick, the same way that he was ready a year ago for the Dolphins, he will be ready for this opening game with the extra days to prepare and Mac Jones ready to go. Uh, I know they've got big expectations to the south of where you and I are recording this podcast that the Dolphins can take those steps uh, with Tua. And they've got some pieces in Miami. It's taken a couple of years for Brian Flores to get all of his guys in there and rebuild it from the mess that was left with Mike Tannenbaum as the GM and Adam Gase as the coach. But I still like New England in that opening game. And I'm going to give you because just I didn't mean to interrupt just because they win that opening game. They won the opening game last year. Just because they win that opening game in New England doesn't mean all problems solved. Yes, sir. And I'm going to give you an interesting nugget to think about in this Miami game with Tua. Obviously, this is, a, this is a big year for two in Miami, and there's still the Deshaun Watson speculation about Miami. If he doesn't get suspended by the NFL or if he gets a, you know, four, six-week suspension or whatever, you know, there's been no word out of the NFL and Deshaun Watson. Still lots of thoughts that there might be some interest from, from Miami I, I to bring Deshaun Watson. You're right, and I thought it was interesting that Brian Flores decided to address the rumors with his team. I mean, normally yeah. coaches circle the wagons. Right. You talk about Belichick in New England, or you talk about any any coach that really wants to the togetherness of his team, they're going to tune out all of the speculation, the media, what the fans are saying on sports radio or on social media. He addressed it with the team, apparently, and spoke with Tua standing right there saying, we believe in him. This is the guy. And the first thing I think when that's going on is exactly what you said. They're about to trade for him. <laughs> They're going to get him. What is that? So it's a bizarre situation because, again, you you don't know if he's going to get suspended. You don't know if he's going on the commissioner's exempt list as it stands right now while we're taping this podcast. He's still they active. tend to have him on the 53-man roster, Houston, for week one. And then what happens after that? But he's not going to play. He's not going to play for Houston. The real question is, obviously, no one has been willing to give them the high-priced draft picks that they want in return, and I don't think Miami's going to be that team either. I don't think they're going to give them a boatload of premium number one and number two picks, so it's a standoff right now, and will the Texans blink first with having him on the active roster? Let's see what happens. Uh, Interesting. Again, interesting. Last game I want to hit you on, Monday night. The first game in Las Vegas with fans in yep. that beautiful facility. I know we did, we played there. The Bucks were there last year with no fans. I know you weren't there, but they say that a, that facility is unbelievable. You know the Ravens are coming to town. I got a sneaky feel. I don't know why. I got a sneaky feeling the the the, the Raiders are going to win the game on Monday Night Football. I know I know Lamar Jackson, but the J.K. Dobbins injury is a big one. That's right. The, the offensive line instability for a little bit for Baltimore. They've had some wide receiver injuries. I got a sneaky feeling. I like Las Vegas in the four and a half on Monday night. Yeah, and I I agree with you with the amped crowd, the whole thing, the emotion of it. And this is a big year for John Gruden because, again, if he doesn't win, if they don't make the playoffs, at what point do you start uh, questioning, yes, there's six years left on this deal, but at, <laughs> but at what point do you start questioning he is not going to get it done? Right. How many more years do you give him where they aren't winning and they aren't in the playoffs for Gruden? Right. So uh, I again say on all the overreaction, 
the Raiders may look very good on that first Monday night, and it may not mean a whole lot over the course of the rest of the year. They're going to be so amped up emotionally with the fans back and all of that. Likewise, the Buccaneers playing in the bizarre COVID 2020 season didn't look great on either side of the ball in the first game with New Orleans. And if people forget this, they then won six of the next seven games right. after that. So I would much rather lose the first one and then write the ship to be six and two after eight games than I would win the first one and end up being like three and five or two and six. Right. So let's see what happens. Going to be a blast with the NFL. I can't wait. I can't wait. Can we get to Thursday in the Cowboy right. game? And then I go to Iowa for that game. And then I got that NFL Sunday you were laying out and the Monday night game. Let's Dude, go. I'm let's ready. Go. Let's get it. Let's get it rolling. I got you, man. All right. And one more, one more plug. And I'm your, your lovely wife just turned, had a big milestone oh. over the weekend. And she, she, she enjoyed herself at one Disney world with your twins. Yes. Talk about your lovely wife. All right. So my wife, Jennifer, and she, she won't mind me saying this. She has turned the big five. Oh, I am now the big five one. When is powers? <laughs> the big five. Oh, is that looming? I have I'm a, bir so I have a birthday in like a week and a half. So I'll be 48 in a couple. I got a couple of years. I'm getting All right, there. So she's going to get the shirts going. Cause she's seen the meme that 50 is the new 40. There you go. But for the school teachers, nine 30 is the new bedtime. That's the meme. <laughs> That's the shirt. 50 is the new 40. Nine 30 is the new bedtime. She is excited for this Buccaneers season. Uh, the twins are excited. We all are. So yes, happy birthday, Mrs. Reeves. She's yes. 50. Disney World is 50. My sister Ashley turned 52 months ago. So it's the year of the 5-0, and let's hope it's the year of the TB12, and it's the year of the 56, as in Super Bowl 56, and the Bucks trying to go back-to-back, -back. Jason Powell. Absolutely. All right, give us, give us a quick plug where we can find you online. All over the place. Uh, hey, find me on social media at Buck Sideline Guy, B-U-C for the Buccaneers. Buck Sideline Guy, clever. It's it sounded better than TJ Tweets or something else. <laughs> uh, so find me there. Find me on Buccaneers Radio, the Buccaneers mobile app. You can hear it there. You can hear it on 98 Rock in the Tampa Bay area and the Buccaneer over-the-air affiliates. If you have Sirius XM or any of the other outlets, the NFL Game Pass, you can hear the Buccaneer broadcast with Mean Gene Deckerhoff and Dave Moore, and I add something every once in a while and do the live locker room show after the game, and we're excited to be there for Thursday night. And again, they can find us on the Three Dog Thursday podcast. Yes. You're a frequent contributor and guest. Yes. Three Dog Thursday is the name of the podcast, wherever you get those. Uh, find that podcast. We predict underdogs in college football and the NFL. I can't wait to be talking some NFL doggies on the Three Dog Thursday podcast, which will release on game day, Buccaneers and Cowboys. And I look forward to having Jason Powers on that podcast as well. Always love being with you, my friend. Awesome, man. Great work. Keep it up. TJ is also big in the boxing world. He does a bunch of a couple boxing podcasts. We don't have time to list all the angles I know, that right? I have. I got more than a geometry book, brother. Yeah, hey, brother, you got to do what you got to do to pay the bills. I hear you. So keep up the great work, TJ. We'll see you Thursday night. We'll try I bet, I bet we will see you on an NBC shot at some point. Make sure you get in an NBC right behind Michelle Tafoya. Get Stand the, right behind her. Screen grab and get it up on social media so the fans can see it. Twitter, Facebook, right. Instagram. Get the screen grab. Uh, where's TJ? The, the twins always look for my long khaki pants. They think <laughs> every pair of khaki pants on the Buccaneer sideline is daddy. So they're looking yeah. for that. So we'll see what happens with that. Enjoy the night. It'll be an awesome night with all the fans and all the celebration. Keep up the great work, and we will talk to you soon, my man. Thanks. As always, go Bucks! Excited for Thursday. Thank you for having me. You got to stay tuned, and we will be right back. Thanks again for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. 
Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Sports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.